Mental health has always been an issue in our communities, but since the pandemic, the CDC has reported that 40% of the population struggles. Hi, welcome to Chiropractical. My name's Chick Herbert. Today, we're going to talk about the responsibilities chiropractors have when it comes to recognizing mental health of the patient. Hello, everyone. This is Melissa Knudsen, and today we are joined by Dr. Christina Petraco-Napoli. Dr. Chris speaks on mental health and its correlation to risk. Dr. Chris is the assistant dean at the College of Chiropractic at Logan University. She's the president of the ACA Council on Women's Health and a fellow in the International College of Chiropractors. We're very excited to have her with us today, along with Mike Whitmer, who joins us often. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm truly honored and grateful to be here with you talking about this really important topic that impacts all chiropractors and the practices and the patients that we serve. Let's dive right in. What is the responsibility of a chiropractor when it comes to recognizing the mental health of a patient? That's a really great question. As a provider, we have a very significant responsibility in identifying this for a variety of reasons. When our patients come in and they're seeking care from us as a provider, we need to make sure that we have a really good perspective of what is going on in their entire life, whether it's physical, behavioral, mental, because all of that then translates back to how they respond to our care and what the outcome may look like. In addition, it also gives us a really good understanding of what their quality of life is. Are chiropractors trained around mental health? Really interesting. We are not, as providers, trained to be mental health specialists. But what we are trained to do is to recognize when our patients may be experiencing signs and symptoms of different mental health disorders. As a practitioner, it's our responsibility to recognize those, but then also make the appropriate referral for our patient so that they can receive care for those different conditions. And can you give some practical examples of how that patient may present some issues around mental health? It's really interesting because as chiropractic practitioners, we see a variety of patients. And one of the things that we see often is patients that come to us, for instance, after a motor vehicle accident. We know that a lot of times after any sort of accident, our patient may actually be experiencing symptoms, not just physical, but remnants of that trauma. So when they come to us and they report some of those different symptomatologies related to the trauma specifically, recurring thoughts of the the event, or maybe some new fears surrounding things that they've never been fearful before, the inability to sleep or the inability to focus. Some of the other things that we might hear from patients are they keep having dreams or nightmares about what happened during that time. Sometimes patients will talk about avoidance or they'll talk about negative changes in thoughts or mood, not feeling like they want to eat or not feeling like they want to sleep. All all of those components are things that as providers, we need to be conscious of not only with our patients telling us, but asking some of those really difficult questions. Because sometimes patients don't even recognize that it's correlated back to something that they're experiencing physically. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like as a practitioner, we should be asking questions so we can gather this information. And then once you have this information that they are having this stress, what next? What should a chiropractor do next? We have to be asking the right 
questions. And as a practitioner, when we ask those right questions about all of the things I just discussed, and I'm going to even throw in a couple of other things that we might find on our physical exam, asking the right questions for history, but then correlating that with maybe finding rapid heart rate or the patients having some rapid breathing or telling us that these happen at different times. We as a provider need to make that determination of is our patient in need of something that's emergent, urgent, or right? And making that differentiation of where do we need to refer them? Where do we need to send them? Are things that we need to rule out or rule in to help triage Dr. Chris, I think you bring up a fantastic point that mental health isn't really chiropractic, but it is because the doctor's responsibility is really to do what's in the best interest of the patient. And if you have a patient coming in who's struggling, the chiropractor can be somebody that really helps this patient just by asking some of these questions and then making that appropriate referral. Our frequent listeners probably know what I'm going to say next, and that is that all these things need to be documented as well. So that if something does happen down the line, you've got that accurate record of your interaction with this patient who is struggling. Urgent, emergent, and routine. Can you speak a little bit more about that and how that translates into an everyday patient visit? When we talk about urgent, emergent, and routine, clinically, the practitioner needs to make that decision. If a patient tells us, because again, patients can tell us that they feel like they're going to hurt themselves or someone else, right? That's emergent. When we're talking about a patient that tells us, I'm, I'm really having trouble with eating and sleeping and all of those things, that, that might be urgent in which they need care within the next 24 hours or 48 hours. And then when we have something that's more routine, where perhaps they're talking about their levels of stress and controlling levels of stress, but it hasn't had any physiological impact yet, that might be something that's more routine and can be pushed out to a provider within the next week or so. So really making that differential as the provider between what is falling into those different categories and how do we triage where the patient goes and how fast. Are there some common red flags that a chiropractor can look for? There are a few things that we can look for as providers, and some of the red flags or indicators that we need to be considering are when, you know, we ask our questions about, are they having feelings of sadness or emptiness? And, and they answer with a positive affirmation. If they're telling us they have lost of interest in things, if they're telling us they have sleep disturbances, that feeling of not feeling safe, telling us that they can't control their worry or they're restless or they feel very tense all of the time, feeling fatigued easily. I commented on rapid heart rate and increased sweating and difficulty with breathing. Sometimes those things too, those are all things that we need to be conscious of and, and recognize as a red flag as a provider. Dr. Chris, back to asking the right questions. Some of those seem non-traditional in terms of the types of questions I might expect my chiropractor to ask me. Is that a skill or an area that you see chiropractors needing to get better at and take time to ask those types of questions? There's a lot of mental health anxiety and issues in society today. So it seems like it's even a higher probability that doctors are going to come across this. It's interesting because we do talk in the profession about the biopsychosocial model of care. And this falls right into that category, really asking all of the questions that surround pieces and how it affects, again, the biological, the physiological, and the mental health components of our patient. Interestingly enough, uh, the CDC just reported approximately 
41% of, of the population is experiencing some sort of anxiety and depressive disorder post-COVID. You raise a great question about really looking at where society has been in the past year, actually two years now, and really looking at how our patients have been struggling. And this much more so is on the forefront of all providers and all ages of patients, that this needs to be something that we're very cognizant of. And chiropractors see their patients more frequently than most other types of doctors. And so there is more of an opportunity to recognize these things and to ask some questions to be able to help and assist. Is there anything that a chiropractor can do to help make that environment more safe so that the patients feel comfortable they're answering these questions truthfully or potentially speaking up about challenges that they're having? Yeah. And I would say that, Melissa, it's probably not just the practitioner. We have to remember it's the practitioner and perhaps their CA or their office staff. Mm. The environment all the way around patient-centered care really has to be in tune with us and really has to make sure that they're communicating in a way that patients feel trust they feel safe in that practice environment. They feel as though they have a choice relative to their care and they're experiencing collaborative care with that provider and those individuals in that practice. And the last piece also is that they're empowered. Um, they're empowered to not only make choice, but they're empowered to get better. They're empowered to have a decision related to what they want to see happen relative to how they get better and how they respond. Melissa, you brought up a really good point, and that is chiropractors see their patients more frequently than most other types of healthcare providers. And because of that relationship between the doctor and the patient is very strong, that positions the chiropractor as a key person in helping to identify mental health needs of the patient and help them get help for that if that's what's needed. Another point that I wanted to make, going back to, to something Dr. Chris said earlier, is that, yeah, you get a feel for how the patient is doing from a mental health perspective by talking to them, asking some questions, that sort of thing. But the physical examination is also really important too, because there could be some other tells within that process that then further informs the conversation that you're having with the patient. I encourage doctors, even if this is a patient that you've seen regularly for a long time, don't skimp on those basic clinical procedures that you have just because you've seen this patient frequently and for a long time doesn't mean that their situation hasn't changed. I think, Mike, you bring up a really good point. One other piece that I, that I want to make sure, based off of what you just said, that practitioners are, are cognizant of is a lot of times patients come into us and they talk about their stress level and they talk about everything that's going on. And that's a really easy opening conversation with all of our patients, even the patients we've treated forever. How are you doing and, and what is your stress level and what's impacting your stress level? Again, a lot of times when we think about these things, we think about our new patients and we forget about those existing patients that, that we've seen for quite some time. Dr. Chris, it is the responsibility of the chiropractor that falls into the scope what are the consequences if I receive feedback from a patient that is showing signs of anxiety, stress, depression, whatever it may be, and I don't act on it? Yeah, that's a really good point, Chick. And one of the really big things that practitioners need to be cognizant of is their scope, right? And is the regulation in which they're licensed under 
and it can be different for each state. So practitioners really need to be cognizant of what their mandatory reporting is for each location. But the other piece of that that becomes really important for the provider is that referral process Mm -hmm. and making sure that they are referring that patient out to the appropriate provider to address their condition. Along with something Mike said earlier, we need to make sure we're documenting that as well, making sure we're documenting where we're referring that patient to and making sure that the patient has a very clear understanding of what their role is and their responsibility is. Yeah, I don't think Mike has ever agreed with anything a guest has said on a podcast with us other than what you just said. (laughs) He's smiling. He's smiling. If I ever got a tattoo, that's probably what it would say. (laughs) Document. So, Dr. Chris, is there any specific demographic of patients that seem to be more prone to this? When we look at the literature prior to COVID, the demographics were much different. Now, when we look at the demographics of the past two years and what everybody has experienced, I think the bigger message is that don't rule it out based on any sort of age. We know that this can impact from our young children all the way up to our geriatrics. As a provider, we need to make sure that we're not discriminating and that we're really, truly asking all of our patients that we see these same questions about their stress level and any other components related to mental health that they might be experiencing. And we talked about PTSD and we know that if the mental health condition is not diagnosed, right, it has long-term impact on how patients respond to our care. So that, that's one big highlight of that. And the literature supports that. The other thing is we do know COVID has been an impact, but the other thing is adults with heart disease actually have a higher rate of depression. And we know that untreated depression in a patient with heart disease that's identified actually that can actually also negatively impact the outcome of musculoskeletal care. So there's a lot here that does impact the care that they receive in the office. Dr. Chris, you mentioned what is the pervasiveness of mental health and how does that translate into doctors seeing patients? Interestingly enough, we know that approximately 40% of the adults in the U.S. are reporting struggling with mental health and or substance abuse. A lot of this happened during the pandemic and is being reported post-pandemic. One of the big things that we know about this, it, it, it talks about adults, but that could be our young adults. It could be our geriatric. And it's coming in a variety of forms in which we are seeing this. So as a provider, knowing that this number is higher than it was pre-pandemic, it becomes incredibly important to us. It impacts our teenagers relative to how they focused in school and how they were taken away from some of their friends and technology became the only way of communication. And our children didn't have a lot of socialization for a long period of time. And so they struggled in a different way. Then if you look at the parents and the caregivers, now, Talk about parents that were were taking care of children and caregivers that maybe were taking care of parents or other family members that were older and how to deal with isolation and ways to still provide. Also looking at parents that were trying to work at home and trying to educate their children, that all of those things had lots of impact. And now we also look at 
some of the other individuals that maybe had other conditions pre-COVID, like our heart disease patients who are more prone to depression. Here we went through this big pandemic, but yet they had a condition that does impact them and does correlate with a mental health component at times. We know that all of these things, if largely undiagnosed, can impact our patient care and, and really truly the outcome. One of the big things that we talked a little bit about a car accident earlier in our patients that we do see as providers, but post-traumatic stress disorder is also very strongly correlated with a variety of different types of trauma and stress. We also know that is directly correlated with the outcomes of musculoskeletal care. Again, it is non-discriminatory based on age. It is non-discriminatory based on sex or gender. And so all of those things are, are very important for the provider to be cognizant of. I will say all of those things, there was a lot of triggers in there for me. <laughs> Working at home while having kids go to school. I actually was in a car accident this week and then the pandemic and everything that comes after that. So I can absolutely relate. Talking about mental health can be very difficult for people. And this includes chiropractors. So if a chiropractor has a patient in their office that indicates that they are struggling, what are some tips or appropriate responses that we may be able to provide them to help ease into that conversation and get the information that they need to be able to provide appropriate care? Most a really good question. The, the first thing that I think is very important is having respect for our patients and not being judgmental of what they tell us, but being respectful of what they have been through and what they're experiencing and being empathetic. And sometimes the best thing that a practitioner can do when a patient tells us very challenging things is to acknowledge that and recognize, I'm sorry you've been through this, or this has been really tough. And I'm glad that you're here. And I'm glad that we're talking about these things. And, and we can find help if you need to provide them support and reassurance, because sometimes patients really, truly do need to hear from the provider that we can provide a way to get them the help that they need, want, and deserve as a patient. Educate them. A lot of times when patients start talking about things, when they feel things or they experience things that they've never felt before, it can be very scary. So as a provider, if we can give them an educational component and say what you're feeling is very real and here's what I'm thinking. And here's, again, who can help you get through this. All of those things become very important for us as providers. I would say the same thing for anybody in our staff to also be very cognizant about being empathetic and respectful to the patients and what they're feeling and making sure that they are also supportive and have a way to also support what the provider may say to those individuals. From a risk management perspective, I love your response just then. Patient communication, patient education those are among the most powerful risk management tools that a doctor has. And especially if you have a, a patient who's struggling, who may be in crisis, those qualities of your interaction with your patient are going to be more important than ever. Patients want to be heard. They want some empathy. Just having that conversation in a real caring and human way can help the patient and open the door for them to get the help that they need. As a human, what we all want is to be heard, to normalize these behaviors, to, to create a trust with empathy so that we can have these conversations. Dr. Chris, can you give an example, and obviously confidentially with changing the names or not using the names, but how 
the care changed as a result of understanding the mental aspects of the patient? Sure. It's really interesting. I had a adolescent patient that I was treating for her low back pain. And all of a sudden, mom came in and was telling us that now she was also experiencing headaches and some GI dysfunction and really no good mechanism, right? There, there wasn't anything that was highlighted that this may truly be something that it was virus related or she was ill. And so really diving down deep, it turned out that the adolescent was experiencing a lot of different types of anxiety. She had a lot of symptoms of anxiety, had a lot of components that were related to stress, and she couldn't identify them. It became to the point where it was so overwhelming for her as an adolescent that she just didn't know. As we started talking, recognizing that the impacts from stress that she experienced, we were able to provide her a referral to get some further help outside of our office. And sounds like a great intervention in getting her the resources that she needs. As we wrap up, do you have any suggestions about where our listeners can go to capture more resources on this topic? Absolutely. I think that's incredibly important. I think uh, all providers need to be ready. I think that they need to have all local resources readily available for when this does happen. And they're not trying to find things at the last moment. So looking at your county websites for mental health referrals and resources, sometimes there are hotlines that are available. Sometimes there are locations that are available in which patients can go and, and schedule an appointment. There are also national hotlines that are out there as well that practitioners can go and find for, for a variety of mental health conditions. And so I really think it's important for the provider both to look focally around home in their county and what's available, and then again, nationally for those individuals. So Dr. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time, for your expertise, and for shedding light on a very important subject and one that is more prevalent today than I think it may have ever been in history. Great to have you. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it too. If there's one thing that stood out to me in this episode is the importance of being ready to take care of patients with a mental health issue. We've added additional resources to our show notes where you can find out more information. And if you are one of the 40% that struggles with a mental health issue, make sure that you're getting the care that you need. As always, take care and be well. Be well.